Every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. If you don't like it, screw you. But this is what it is. <laughs> Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. And I find for me that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want. It's like the modern version of the the two people inside of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing. We want different voices. We want different races. We want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. Lie on the floor flopping around like a, <laughs> like a fish for 45 minutes. We work in isolation booths. So if we, <laughs> if we don't want to be isolated, we should leave those booths. Never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, I hope he pitches me to whoever, whatever he's, like if you think that way and you're just trying to use people. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, that's him. Wow, you got the part. Hired on the spot. Yeah. Pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Right. Well, yeah, that know, makes sense. That, that makes sense. Watch the <laughs> though. Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us knew in the industry. Stop wiping expectations on any audition. As soon as you start telling stories and having actors touch people's heads and hearts with their performances, you're going to have people that are going to want to connect to the people behind those voices. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yeses, and I, that's true for me today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Now, today we are joined by Rolf Veldman from Voice123. And Voice123 have just completed and today, as this goes out, have released their report on AI slash synthetic voices. So this is a really huge development in our industry. We're going to be talking about how huge and in what way and how they slash we as talent think this might impact us day to day and more broadly in our careers. This is a report that they've been working on for the past nine months, I think. So lots of data to go through and analyze and um, interpret and some good parts and some bad parts. So, you know, as with everything, it's not necessarily completely awful or completely wonderful. So lots to discuss. And let's try and keep the communication channels open with regard to this because it is an important subject and it's unlikely to be exactly as any one of us expects. But this industry goes through changes. That is just the nature of working in voiceover and pretty much any industry, all industries go through change. So um, it's very important that we keep abreast of those changes and um try and navigate them as best we can as voice talent. So um, we will be having another episode very shortly, maybe in a week or two. I think we're we're aiming for that. And um, that will be Christy Bowen coming in and metaphorically coming in and um, reviewing your corporate slash explainer reads. And um, that's going to be really good. I know these are always popular episodes. Okay, so today we're talking about AI and let's just get on with it. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. We can get straight into it, and um, I'll just, yeah, kick off asking you about why you guys started this process and what you were trying to get out of it, et cetera. So 
So I joined Voice on 3 in 2018, but already before that, I was talking to the owners of the company and I was helping them in other fashions. And already then we talked about, hey, if there's a, such a thing as an AI voice, how it's going to impact a company like Voice on 3. So ever since I joined Voice on 3, it's been on the front of my mind. And over the years, we kept sawing the increase of first text-to-speech projects, uh, multiple companies uh, requesting AI voiceover, which we, of course, didn't offer. We tried to develop the technology ourselves, realized that's really hard. That's not what we're good at. That's not what we should do. But the, I wanted to basically learn more about where it's going to impact the voiceover on this industry and whether or not we could influence it with the size of the marketplace that we have. And the thing that pushed it over for me is that I realized already in 2019 that more and more actors on our platform are also using a technology to submit uh, proposals on Voice on 3. And I asked uh, other companies if they had the same issue and they realized, that they told me they have as well. And I don't know how common it is before I was here, but ever since I was at Voice on 3, there's always been questions from clients. Hey, this sounds, this sounds like fake. Are you sure this is not a fake voice? Uh, so there's this, oh. this people are already on their, it's on the tip of their toes and they, they have a, an extra radar or what is an AI voice? What is a real voice? And, uh, but basically I wanted to see where is AI, if it's even going to disrupt the voiceover industry and how can we be part of it and make sure that our voice actors are part of it? Because if our voice actors don't have work in the industry, then voice on three ceases to exist. So my whole idea of running an experiment where we're going to consistently expose AI voices to clients who request it. So when you join Voice on 3 as a client, you get to post a project or you get to direct, uh, directly message an actor. If you post a project, you can toggle saying, I also want an AI audition. And by clicking the toggle, we then had uh, about 10 profiles. We picked out the best one, submitted a, a proposal to it. And that was basically the more gimmicky part of it, doing that audition. It was more for us was, okay, let's now ask that person who wanted that, why they wanted it, what they wanted to pay for it, how real did they think it was, what kind of projects they would hire it for. And if we do that for a long time, like six to nine months, then we get thousands and thousands of, of voice buying clients to be exposed to AI. And then we have a better understanding. Okay, this is what's happening. This is potentially what's happening next. And this is what's most likely not going to happen. But the whole idea was, Let's do it out in the open. Let's share our results with everybody. And, and that's why we've built this report. So did I get this right that this came about fundamentally because voice seekers were thinking some talent were AI voices already and were concerned <laughs> yeah. about it? Yes. As you, as you know, the, the company Voice on 3 also has a... Um, out of Voice on 3 came Bunny Studio, right? Which is mm. a whole different company. And they used to be working together for a long time for the last four to five years. That's no longer the case. And especially in, in, in that platform where uh, there's no contact between the voice actor and the client, clients were suspicious. So I had that extra knowledge from that. And I then see. we started receiving those questions on Voice on 3 as well, where you could just talk to the person. I mean, you don't have to go through us, but clients were doing it. And voice actors were already using basic text-to-speech software to, base, to hack the system, right? It's all about auditioning. The volume of audition might turn into a job. Like platforms like ours, we try to make sure that people are being picky, but you can basically hack it by applying to everything, but that's too much. But what they use is a uh, TTS generator 
to then audition really? for every single project. Yeah, that happened once or twice. Uh, I'm sort of impressed when that happens. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it also it also is already a signal of what it could future be. Right, not saying an, uh, an AI audition is the same as a real audition, but in some places it might be relevant to just hear the voice in a generic version of your uh, of your voice to hear the script in a generic version of your voice. Um, so there's all these kind of data points that made me think I was, I'm blind here. I don't know the companies. I know it's happening. Our platform is relatively open. So I don't know whether it turns into a job or not. All we do is match people. Hmm. Uh, and then I figured I want to be, if it happens, I want to be the place where it happens uh, in voice onto three. And then we can also maybe influence the way AI voice first is being built and the models are being trained. And secondly, how voice actors can need a license or, or sell part of those uh, jobs to, to their voice buying clients. Right. So my goal was just, I want to be the place where it happens and then I can steer it in the right direction if possible. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Um, okay. So how long have you been conducting this experiment? Q4 of 2020. So that's okay. uh, almost nine months now. Yeah. Okay. Starting off real small and then trying to expose it to more. Like we we wanted to make sure it should not go at the expense of uh, of voice actors actually getting paid and getting work. So we just made it an add-on to whatever was happening. And we got when then we sent out the surveys and we talked to the clients and we tried to get as much data as possible. So it was a combination of surveys and you know sort of sneakily just throwing it into regular projects so that the clients. Well, not sneakily. They asked for it. So they <laughs> oh, asked they asked for it. For it. Oh, I, oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. But even though some of them were surprised, saying, oh, I didn't realize it was, this was the AI one. Right. That's so they knew, like, yeah. they knew one or two of them might have been AI, but yeah, they didn't and they, know which ones. I didn't caught it. Yeah. Right. It. And how many people did you open that up to as in seekers? Well, the, the entire, all clients could see it. Yeah. Right. But not everybody chose to do it. Yeah. Uh, in total, about one or 2% of the clients were actually interested right now. But just uh, by feeling it out, a year and a half ago, that was like 0.1%. So the increase just in that year, even though there's still a small percentage of our clients that are interested in AI, the increase is already such, to such an extent that you would say, okay, if that goes up for the next year, then it's 10%, 20%, and then uh, maybe it's going to be a part of the industry. Right. Okay, great. So let's dive into the, yeah. um, the sort of presentation here. So um, what we're going to do probably is do it page by page. You're going to present right. the information page by page, and then I've got a question or two on most of the pages, and then hopefully we'll cover everything doing it that way. So why don't you kick off? So it says uh, over 50% of the voice one to three clients that were exposed to this, when we asked them, what would you use it for? The most likely they would use it for was, okay, we want to use an AI voiceover for translated content. So let's say I book mm -hmm. Jamie in English, but I also want to uh, do it in Dutch, German, and French. As soon as the possibility is there, that might make that localized kind of uh, promo and that localized kind of voice content might make it more easier, more scalable for us to do just work with one actor instead of work with 50 actors. Right. And that's across genres, right? That's across genres. Yeah. Well, it might not work in all genres. Like in what I came to realize is that, and this is an unfair minimalization of what voice acting is, but let's say you have a range of one to five required acting, right? Five being it's high level top tier acting. And some of them are maybe one or two star uh, required acting in the job itself. And the shorter the content, the shorter, the least likely there's a lot of acting. Well, that's not true. Try and say the shorter the content, the least likely it's, it's going to be exposed as AI. So if you have low acting quality jobs, 
and you can translate it, then there's a world of potential in terms of turnaround time, in terms of um, of number of people you have to you you have to work with to complete a project. And whenever we talk to marketers or advertising uh, agencies, that's what they said. Okay, this this is interesting for this. I have a I have this six second promo or this ten second promo that needs to go out in twenty different countries. Uh, right now, uh, we either do it in one language uh, and just hope for the best, or if we could localize this, then sometimes we hire local actors. But imagine if we could do it with just one person. So that's one of the the ways that I can see this. And 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 uh, the further that's not in this document, but what that implies is that some of the technology is already doing not just the same with language, but also the same thing with let's say uh, a voice style, an accent, or uh, a range or an, uh, an age. So it's going to be harder for us to do a child as we get older, but there's already technology that can have a template version of a child, put it over my voice, and then I can do it as a child. Uh, the same potentially with accent. So it increases the range of the actor to do multiple things, but it has all these unintended consequences on this number of people that can be in VO and, and whether that's good enough or not. But this is just me thinking out loud what this might imply. So to me, that suggests that the sort of the original project, let's say the local project, would be recorded by the voice actor in a studio, in a microphone, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're saying that their AI voice would do also the German version, also the French version, also the Spanish version. Is that Might what you're be. saying? Yeah. yeah. So are they then saying that those markets are less important? <laughs> no, <laughs> so it goes use- the other way around, right? It's also the other way around. If you work with a German actor and you need to cater to an English audience, then you start with German and you go the other way around. Yeah. But whichever way around it is, the other territories are getting the AI voice and the original territory is getting the real voice. Depends on the quality of the voice. That would say you could make the argument they find it's less important. But then again, if it's five to 10 seconds, it's going to be hard to tell the difference if the AI is really good. Do you have so I'm, I'm not saying yeah. this happens to every project. I'm just... Mm. My goal of this whole report was looking for use cases where it might happen. I know neither of us are like AI scientists, right? Experts on this stuff. But <laughs> do you happen to know how good an AI voice would be voicing an entire other language that that's, that voice talent may not even be able to speak themselves? It's impossible right now. It's, it's not possible. Well, it's impossible. It's too hard. There might be one or two projects that might be able to do it. Maybe one extra language when there's a large data set. But based on our research, that's far, far away. Right. Interesting to know. Yeah. The, the, the duplicate languages that are there is people who are bilingual that have, uh, have, let's say, a Spanish and an English version of their voice already recorded in AI. But Yeah. So they'd have to do a separate recording for their AI yeah. and the other language. Yeah. Because yeah, it's got all the different yeah, quirks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. All right, let's go to page five. So that's what I already talked about. It's 900%. I wanted to make it a big number to showcase that it's not just 10% of the clients on Voice on 3 that are interested, uh, but comparatively, only 1% a year ago was interested in that. So that's a big increase year over year. So it's a 900% increase, sorry, interest in AI voices. So what do you mean by pursuing AI? Is that illustrative of them wanting to hire or being open to hire AI voices or open it's just hire. a hypothetical it's just a hypothetical right they're not naturally actively looking for it no but they're asking like do you have do you already have AI voices and we don't uh, or we don't want to we're never going to be uh, any kind of production company that's not who voice on the three is 
Mm. But I can already see a path in the future where, um, let's say you, Jamie, want to have a AI version of your voice. And we can ideally connect you to the company that works best for you to record that AI version and you can co-license with them. And then the client that's asking for you, I could say, well, we don't do this, but these are, these are actors that we already have that have an AI version of their voice. And then we connect them with you. That's uh, sort of the plan that we have in mind. Right. And what's the motivation for the client wanting the AI version of me rather than me? Because it's cheaper? Might be. There is a mix needed. Uh, maybe it's turnaround time, right? I need something tomorrow. Yeah. Um, in a lot of use cases, that's the, the issue. I need 8,000 8, words and I need it over the weekend. Uh, or I am, I really like your voice. We're in a prequel of, uh, of a game. We're still developing it. We're pitching it based on the funding. Can we use your AI version as a placeholder for some of the characters? All right. Mm. That might be a, a use case. Yeah. So they don't have to like schedule me for a studio session. They can manipulate it in their own time as well. That's, I guess Wait, that's but, a benefit too, right? But as, as a, as a voice actor, that changes the pricing, right? Mm. So yeah. you would say, okay, well, I'm not going to do it for free right now, uh, unless there's an over if the game actually gets developed. But you cannot unlimitedly do that to all these different games because maybe one out of 100 becomes a real thing, right? Mm. So, but with AI, you don't have to... Uh, you could play that volume game and you just charge a basic fee, and you, and, but instead of just charging the basic fee for the usage of the... The voice, you could say, okay, I, I'm going to do a ref share uh, agreement whenever it becomes a success and the real voice is going to be there. I need more than just what you had in mind before. So it's also an opportunity for, I think, for voice actors to rethink some of the pricing schemes that they have with, uh, with their clients. Yeah, particularly with the idea that it is temp that you will then record the actual yeah. project, right? Then you're actually getting paid for something that might be just some guy in the office doing it. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get that. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, cool. Let's go to page six. Yeah. So it says that voice over client want to use AI voices, but still prefer the human version. It's really, it, it amplifies how hypey AI voice is right now, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to try it, but then when it's a really important project or when it's my project, I really want the human in the first case and in the first place. I don't want the AI. It sounds AI. It sounds computery, and only a very selective group of people really enjoys that. Mm -hmm. So while there is your interest in the AI voice, and they think it might have limited marketing potential to use an AI voice, and they still prefer the human. Yeah, and it feels weird just to talk in versions of AI and human, right? Because yeah, that is already a scary way to talk about uh, the future of uh, voiceover industry. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, it's here. Um, so it says there that the main issue for voiceover clients was consistent quality in the AI voices. So yeah. what were the quality complaints you were hearing that they didn't like? So this is a creative working with a creative 99% of the time, right? So as a creative, you want to have influ influence on the process and you want to have a slight retake or you want to have a kind of different emotional range there. So first of all, there's no quality in the range. This is it. Right? Unless you have very advanced, advancedly recorded AI voice uh, overs, but they're way too expensive right now. Uh, there's no way from the director seat to really influence it. So inconsistent in, in that kind of quality. But also, as soon as the text gets longer, as soon as the content gets longer, you can hear it. You can hear it more and more and more. Uh, so there's just inconsistency in that audio quality and, and the ability that a human has versus what the computers can do right now. Right. So I think that's an interesting point also to, to make that 
there is a quality, AI isn't just AI, <laughs> there's a quality range within AI too, right? So there's the sort of the cheap things that you can just go on Google and or not Google, but a website, type in the text and it will read it back to you. And yeah. there are the more advanced versions. So, But even those advanced versions has problems. Yeah. But what you're describing now is basically mirroring what the voiceover industry is right now, right? You have actors that just get started and find it difficult to start and not super high quality. Uh, they get very limited pay compared to some of the top tier voice actors that are uh, on some of these platforms or working on their own. And I, it almost seems based on this because that's what machine learning is. In the end, you put in data. So if you put in a very high quality voice actor's voice, you get a really good voice out of it. Right? Mm -hmm. It's the same with... Uh, with low quality and, and low output. So it seems that it's mirroring voiceover industry behaviors where there's most likely a, a tier, a top tier of AI voices um, coming from humans that are also top tier that might benefit more from this uh, than people just getting started and, and trying to record an AI version of their voice with limited direction and, and with limited quality. So would you highlight the fact that this was a, a top tier AI voice on the profile or would the client know or would they just rely on hearing it you know because if it is the longer you listen to it the more obvious it is just a little short audition might not be illustrative of how good or bad that AI voice is yeah that's a good point uh you I can only imagine that it would work similar to what happens right now uh, mm. that in the end the clients who purchase and buy voiceovers from voice actors often give them a variant various reviews or, or signals back whether it's good or bad and platforms like our pick that up and based on that we do a, we we start to rank people so i can only imagine the same thing works like this this ai was not good and then that's the review so in the end people are going to have to be exposed to it use it review it and out of that comes some sort of order uh, based on that so is the issues that the seekers are complaining about with AI is that they just, it's that sort of uncanny valley thing that yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> they can't really it put it. It just doesn't sound board. right. Yeah. yeah. Plus uh, I have limited creative control. And yeah. even if I have creative control, it's not quite the thing. So what the solutions that AI companies are doing now, okay, they're saying they want creative control. So let's add a layer of uh, funny or a layer of happiness or a layer of sadness. But mm. that's not... That slider will never encompass the range of, of what a person can do, right? So no. I need, there's so many, in one note, there can be like five different things coming together that then you can perform and the AI voice can never do. So they might go a long way uh, fixing some of those issues, but in the end, never replace it. So which is one of the main re things that we got out of the report, it's never going to replace. So I'm, I'm, I'm mostly happy about what we learned in the last couple of years, but there's some worrying things and there's some things to look out for. Yeah. Oh, I have questions about direction and feedback for sure <laughs> coming up. Um, all right, let's go to page seven. So this is what we asked them, basically. Uh, not in the same wording, but this is how we grouped them afterwards. So can you just give a brief outline of what this page says for the listeners? Yeah, sorry. for uh, I keep forgetting that it's, that it's more than you and me. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the page uh, is basically four sections. As we asked the client, do you find this AI voice? Would you hire this AI voice for a project? And uh, Based on the quality that is it right now, would you be comfortable publishing this? And then 50 plus percent said definitely not. Some of, about 15 to 70 percent said soft no. Then there's a 22 percent that said, well, maybe. And there's about 8.6 8 is the actual number that says yes. 
uh, we think that we can already uh, publish this kind of quality. And that's based on our research. Again, is yeah. this is this the survey responses or is this the real world what you put on the site? How are you getting this data? No, this is that's what they tell us via the surface. Okay, yeah. right, because surveys. Of course, you know yeah. what people say they're going to do is different to what necessarily they're going to do. And already yes, but you can you can out. it's still a data point, of course. So you can look at it both yeah. ways, right? I'm saying I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Or I say I will do it, but when push comes to shove, the number might actually be lower. But I yeah. think what you should mainly take away from this is that, and that over fifty percent said definitely not. That's not no. That's definitely not. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that is a big number. It's yeah. by far the biggest number on there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is so far is good. Yeah. And the next one, the next slide is sort of similar, but mm. from a different approach. Like this is what you already publish it, and this is how good do you think it is? Uh, and that's why the numbers are slightly higher, even though, and it sort of matches what you met, uh, mentioned. This is a, a slider from I thought it was poor quality to it's okay quality. It's quite good actually, or good enough. And instead of eight percent, this is already twelve point eight percent. Right, so more people say it's it's good enough for me. Mm. This to me, both of these pages actually, they seem so dependent on the genre <laughs> because if it was, and we will come into this later, I know that yeah. if it was something like IVR or something that is short little bursts of just data information rather than any kind of performance, they're more likely to use it versus a human interaction kind of a read that requires the subtle nuances of humanity. <laughs> but, but, and, that, and that's true. Uh, but so what falls in that category of, you say RBRs, what else would you put in there? Anything that is more data. So for example, like there's plenty of projects that I do, well, some projects that I do where you're basically fulfilling a legal obligation. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. just reading some text. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to sound overtly human. They're just fulfilling something that means they're not going to get sued. So things like that, or you're just imparting some information do this or your your head will get chopped off, you know, whatever. Um, but <laughs> it's quite almost, serious consequences, <laughs> Jamie. Yeah, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> or your finger. Let's say your finger will get chopped off. But anything else that is has got any kind of, they're trying to encourage or elicit anything, which is yeah. almost every other genre, <laughs> Yeah, you know, no, so is going, you know. I, I ask this in part because I, I remember people were saying about two years ago that this is it, long-form e-learning is going to be uh, targeted by AI because um, there's just these companies that have to train people and they want to get people to, to pass the checklist so they can move to the next part, right? Um, mm. That's There's such a counter movement in that space alone that in e-learning, content itself is not what it's going to drive it. It's mm. not going to drive a learning process. It's, the, it's the, again, the performance in this case of the actor or an actor uh, in a different setting. That's how that delivery and that that performance is going to impact how well people are learning, especially when video comes in. So, but then again, you could also say there might be a mix mix of both things at the same time, right? I want these these I have this e learning course uh, that is twenty courses. Uh, so, a couple of these are what you mentioned: uh, acknowledgments and legal obligations, or quick intros, or quick outros, or more informational to the or narrative to, to go from one place to the other. You could say, okay, let's do a Spart AI in part human. Hmm. That might be another way that you can get booked. Like, I need you to fulfill this project. Uh, and then you would have a quote saying, that this, if you want 20% AI and 80% and 80 Jamie, then this is the quote, but you can, mix it, you can mix it up. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I, coming back to um, what you said and what your point initially to yeah. me was that I think people undervalue some of the more less performancey genres. So like you said, yeah. corporate narration or onboarding or things like that. I think the people that are successful do bring personality and humanity to those things. And like you said, if, particularly if you're having to train someone, people don't, don't just absorb information just because it's there. Otherwise, books would be written in just table form, right? Yeah, um, fair enough. Well, you know, so, so you know. There, there's another reality of the voiceover industry is that, uh, that the people who purchase voiceover, if they're, I'm not going to say majority, but a large section of them are either doing it for the first time or really have no clue what they're doing, right? It might mm. be for that uh, corporate report, or it might be their first ad of a young company trying to do it, and then everything already sounds good, right? That's why if you're starting as a voice actor, even though your quality might not be super high, you're already better than the person that did, that did it in the office, right? Mm. So the bar entry is, is quite low. And then as people start to, if we, even within those companies, if they get bigger and bigger, they start, to expand, they start to demand more and more and more. If they're exposed to better, they start to demand and they start to ask for more and they're willing to pay for more. So I, I agree with you that there's this nuance for the train, for the train there, for the director, for the person who wants to create a high, high quality project. But they have to bear in mind that most people don't know what a high quality project is because they have no yes. reference points because they don't know what voice acting is in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that not, not having that knowledge opens this space, right? Yeah, no, I totally see that point. And, and that's absolutely the case. Um, a lot of people aren't super aware of the difference between a great performance and an average performance. But again, like the sort of uncanny valley thing, you know, you know, when you are happy to listen to something for 15 yeah. minutes versus being exhausted by it after five, 100%. <laughs> you know, you don't know yeah. why necessarily, but yeah. that is something that everyone can appreciate. Yeah. Um, do you think just something that struck me when you were speaking there is do you think if if this gets launched if ai gets launched too quickly people will get burnt by ai being unpleasant to listen to over the long run and it might get a bad reputation as being too robotic even if it does continue to get more natural sounding it could get a reputation as being the cheap so version of voiceover ai is already launched and i think what you're describing is happening right now mm. The stereotype and the, the people who are not exposed to AI already can tell you that AI is not good. Mm. Right? But there are already some tier one companies that might already be able to develop a very high quality uh, voiceover right now. So I think that bad reputation for automatic or boxy or uh, computer kind of voices that will remain for the next couple of years, but there's always going to be early adopters and people who can work with and try to find a project for it. And I don't yeah. know if you remember that video that said, is the first AI that can cry. I know that uh, yeah. it brings up a lot, but we, yeah. if you then analyze it, it's uh, there's a lot of music in that video, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? So that's to compensate with that AI. But then again, maybe that's a way to, to build content with AI is that you have to heavily produce it and add more effects uh, to it to, to, to then make it worthwhile. Yeah, so I think the bad reputation is there that will remain, um, but uh, which why I'm... I'm completely gone from the whole narrative that what happened two years ago is that AI is going to replace voice. AI is not going to replace voice. It's going to add new things to it. It's going to be a tool mm -hmm. set. It's going to be uh, new categories, potentially. It's going to change pricing for better or worse, which I think is a nice segue to the next slide. Yeah, let's uh, do that. And Because uh, the next slide uh, already says that 67% 
say would only they would pay only between zero and one dollar per minute of audio. Like you mentioned before, it really depends on the type of audio. Uh, so there's a lot of nuances in this in this graph, but just in general, this is what the value would be. And the consistent feedback was, this is what I pay for it at the quality now. If it's better, I'm willing to pay more. Or it really depends on how the actor who provided the voice has has been compensated. Mm. Uh, so what we see is that also from the buyer side, people don't really know what it's worth and how to charge it. They are aware of the human connection and want to make sure that the person is, is adequately compensated. But they also say, well, at this quality, it's just not good enough. Yeah. That's what jumped out to me when I saw that is that that's how much they value it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, but, you, but you could say if the, it still was alarming to me that's over 60% go from zero to $1 instead of from one to $10, right? Which yeah. is the next up bracket. Yeah. So it's, it's already is a, is a price point that if it does go well, again, depending on how it's being used, there's not a high willingness to pay because it may be part of the stereotype that's there that this is just an AI version of you. Uh, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to have an impact on what, how we price other things in the VO industry as well, right? So if, you're, if, you're, if your career now heavily depends on AV, IVR, and you already mentioned IVR, if that's going to be impacted, you got to switch gears. Or if, if corporate VO is going to be impacted somehow, then this is what people are now willing to pay for it. It's definitely not going to be $200 a minute, right? Depending. And really anyone that markets themselves in any genre as as being budget <laughs> yeah their their livelihood is is seriously in threat yeah. a, a threat to yeah. me that's because because you know their their stack em high sell em cheap approach to voiceover which can work for some people and you know there are websites devoted to that um i feel like <laughs> not naming any yeah. names um yeah. It feels like that area of the industry and those getting into the industry and being able to fund their way into the industry by not charging very much money, that's going to be heavily impacted by this, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, but it also, not to be devil's advocate, because it also opens a door to people starting. So one of the biggest, I think, impacts in the last couple of years on the voiceover industry is the, is the fact that hardware to record a better voice than a person in an office can do has been so much cheaper comparatively than 10 years ago, that's easier to get started. There are way more places to start VO, high tier, low tier, mid tier, whatever you want, there's a place for you. Mm. And then this is, might be another tool if it becomes affordable to have an AI voice uh, of yourself. To also get started in an industry to get, this, to get your voice more discovered uh, as almost like a, a marketing tool for yourself to get exposure out there, uh, to get people introduced to your voice. So, uh, my instinct is also, Yes, most likely lower end jobs will go away and it's going to be uh, in some sense harder to join the industry um, because you have to make up from that gap of not knowing so much about voice acting and then properly knowing how to act and that space in between. is Normally you bridge that just by doing a lot, yeah. um, but it's going to be harder to bridge that gap because if, if AI takes that doing a lot of work, work, then it's going to be harder to get there, but it, it might also open up tools. So yeah. it's really hard to tell. Yeah, I have a problem with the exposure argument because that's <laughs> that never really works. Never. No, really works no, out. no. But it, no, but it never really works. But it's like uh, you can do this design for free. But I'm going to show it to a lot of people. Yeah, that, that sort of that sucks. But apparently, yeah. that's a mindset of a lot of people purchasing. Oh, you get a lot yeah, of exposure yeah. from this. Yeah, I don't need exposure. I need money. Right. Uh, yeah. To but the, unfortunately, that's a, yeah. Unfortunately, that's, that is how a big part of it works. So that work exists, right? And that's yeah. how that is how people get their first 
couple of gigs sometimes. Yeah. I mean, like zero to one dollar per minute is not going to help people leave their job to pursue voiceover. No. <laughs> but um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's certainly interesting. Um, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I mean, it is encouraging in many ways that it is seen as such a low value proposition by voice yep. seekers, you know, so, you know, that's, that's encouraging. And, Im- um, and imagine how, how much it takes to generate a AI voice from a, from a software perspective. There's no yeah. profit there. Right? No. So there's, there's a hard business incentive to make for companies to, they have to really grind down and uh, uh, lower the cost of creating those AI voices, and they're nowhere there, near there. No, no. Cool. So describe this slide. This is interesting. Yeah. So, like I said, we wanted to know what kind of sectors and, or categories, whatever you call it, uh, parts of the voiceover industry are likely to get. Affected, affected by a voice. So we, we asked on multiple stages, like, you know, what kind of content would you use it for? And this slide is basically an overview of that content. So like we mentioned, over 50% would say uh, translated content, but, uh, and, and about 30% said IVR. Still 20% would use it for either promos or animation, uh, similar for video games. And then with 14.5% of our base said uh, advertising, Audiobooks is only 7%. I think it's because of the long form. And uh, podcast and training videos is the one that we added. There are more categories, of course, of voice, but these are the ones that were more pro- most prominent. Yeah, and again, this is all what they imagine they would be using this for. Yeah. This isn't data, right? Well, these are, and the companies that are operating in those industries, and, they, and they, they might have already used AI versions in the past, but this is where they see the real-life application of the technology that they used. Yeah. And we're going to come to this in a second, but some of these character genres really interest me. Are they looking at that as AI for the finished product or for temp, like scratch? Most mostly temp, uh, but not but not all. I mean, that's a that's a MTR answer, but <laughs> it's the true. But the most of it is is for placeholders, uh, but that's for video games mostly. For animation, like what Unity does is it allows you to create a custom character, right? And so you can build the ears, the eyes, the face, the, what they're wearing and what they're doing, their character. And then the next step is to create the voice. It's very, it seems very clear that that's going to be an application for, for AI as well, because it's another tool set to build a, to build a voice, to build a character. Mm. Um, the other one is I, I might make short form animations and it needs to be a almost non-human character or a very cartoonish character that I could either use a pre-recorded version of or it's so wild, uh, I can mess with the filters in such a way that it becomes unrecognizably unhuman, right? So that's where I think it could also be used specifically. We're talking about animation and uh, that character kind of work. Yeah. I also would like to sort of make the point that this is also your client base. <laughs> yeah. Voice123's client base. And I know you yep. guys do animation and video games and stuff like that, but primarily your clients are more businessy commercial corporate right so it's a mix of everything but yeah we we as with the entire industry most of the work that happens in vo is corporate right because if this was conducted by a group of agents this may look very different yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. okay all right let's go to page 11 yeah so these are uh, we tried to make it more clear what the people that were exposed to ai voices said 
So we added quotes that were representative of what groups of people thought. And these are some insights from voiceover clients. So the next couple of pages are all about that. Mm. Uh, the first one that we're talking about is that I would use, I might have a use for low quality AI voice like these as scratch view, but the price would have to be lower. Uh, we'd be very excited about this if we were able to use a lot, utilize for variable video. So there's all these snippets of what clients uh, are telling about AI voice. So when you say variable video, you mean sort of dynamically changing like in real time almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. So dynamic, dynamic, yeah, dynamic, dynamic audio advertising and dynamic advertising already is already, is, is already there. And then uh, for video as well, you could, you could use it for that. So yeah. instead of you recording 20 versions of the same script, you record the one script and then I use the AI to uh, the whole dynamic section of it. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of, uh, contention around that right now with the Anthony Bourdain thing. I don't know if you saw yeah, that Yeah, I saw recently. that. There was, uh, I only saw the headline, to be honest. I, I, wasn't, I didn't open the full article, but it was, they created a documentary about him using his voice, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Wild. made him say things that he never said in, while he was live. So yeah. <laughs> there's some interesting ethical questions there, which we're oh, not going definitely. to get into today. <laughs> but, yeah. No, but it is I a big problem, ethical and copyright uh, problems with all of all the technology that's happening out there. Yeah. Yeah. Could you give us an idea of what specific questions you asked or did you just ask these clients to give you just quotes out of thin air? So we basically use the UX researcher approach approach where you try to not ask too many guiding questions, um, mm. right? So this is part what happened, came out of the survey and part what our clients told us in conversations, right? Where you tr you're discussing the topic and then this is what they come up with while you, in the same way that we're talking about it now. Yeah. So just try not to lead them. Yeah. All right. I've got a lot to say about this next page. <laughs> so, From what part? Uh, all over it. <laughs> um, so why don't you give us a brief outline of some of these quotes here? Um, this is really interesting to me. Well, why didn't, why didn't in this case do you do it? So you can narrate through the question that you might have about it. Okay. So... We have kind of discussed it. Long form is where AI struggles. Um, yeah. One thing that you mentioned on here, and I forget, oh, it's down the bottom there. You're referring to one-time long form projects and translations are more likely to use AI. W what does that mean? What, what are, what are one-time long form projects? So the duration, the existence of audio is, gonna, is, is shortening over time, right? The whole full buyout uh, idea still works on a very commercial uh, brand level. But in the past, I think there was always a full buyout for, uh, because this is the kind of e-learning course, or this is the kind of uh, version of the book that's going to last for a long time, or this is the kind of 20-minute presentation or five-minute pre presentation or 10-minute presentation that's going to last for the next couple of years. But con content is currently being repurposed and changed and is more dynamic and has less of a longevity about it than it used to be. So I need this now. Uh, I need it just for one item and it's long form is where AI can be uh, used. So it's never going to be the book, the audio version of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book uh, that's going to be in shops everywhere. Um, but it's going to be more for that uh, mid to long form presentation uh, for this stuff for, that everybody in my company needs to learn about. So again, it comes down to the fact that it's really usable in situations where A, it's so short you barely notice that it's not human, or 
it's changing so dynamically, it wouldn't be financially sensible to just constantly update it, replace it, etc. So it it seems like it fills a hole (laughs) that Mm -hmm. is not currently being filled or is being filled by maybe let's say, lower-priced voice actors right now, <laughs> yeah. would you say? or yeah, No, which is why one of the conclusions is like, most likely this is generating a new form of VO. Mm. Right? And this is one of the new forms that we're talking about. You can have fast turnaround. It could be for lower-budget, big projects that are currently hard to fulfill. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, a lot of this stuff is sort of obvious to me, I guess. I mean, yeah. it sort of makes perfect sense. I mean, none, none of this is a revelation, really. No, um, which is, we have the same thing. So this is, this is what, these are some of our hypotheses were proven, some of our hypotheses were proven to be false, and, but most of it is confirming what our thinking was, which is good. What were some of the things that, that you were surprised to hear? I was um, surprised to hear that the, um, my f- biggest fear not fear, but my biggest, uh, yeah, I guess you would say it fear, was that based on initial conversations I had a couple of years ago, that most people would use it for promotional uh, material and for commercial material already, locally commercial material. I was surprised that that's not at all where the minds of our clients are going mm-hmm. by, by a mile, which I think is a good thing. Um, but that was my initial fear. Like if that's going to get confirmed, that changes the whole dynamic of what we're doing. Yeah. So you see, to me, that, that doesn't surprise me at all because people think that commercial work is dry and, and robotic and unnatural, <laughs> whereas I think the more effective commercial work is human real. Yeah. And, you know, even comparing human to human, the more human and empathic the performance, usually the more effective the, the message. And um, so but, this doesn't but, surprise but- me. But plus there's a, there's a natural counter movement happening in what clients are desiring right now from voice actors, right? So the most popular term in the last couple of years is conversational, right? Yep. These bombastic voices or too act, too acty is, is a, a phrase that is going to call, don't act, just be yourself, which is it's the hardest thing to act. But <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it's the most, uh, most searched for keyword. It's, it's the, within our uh, platform uh, when it comes to voice styles and it's a very popular way. And it's, contradicting of whatever AI can do. It's the last one they can, they're going to be able to tackle because that's the most yeah. difficult one to, all those different nuances to, to, to mimic. So almost that bad reputation and that, that drive away from whatever is a computerized voice that happened maybe five, five years ago when it's starting to get a, get a little bit uh, interesting. You can see an instant increase in the level of conversational required voiceover work in the industry. Yeah. But I'm an historian. So I always think in, in, in let's say, in, in an even bigger time frame, after every revolution, there's a conservative drawback, right? So mm-hmm. if there's something changes, we want for the short term the opposite. And then maybe over 10, in 10 years from now, there's still a step uh, towards a new direction. Uh, so it might be that this is just a, a natural opposition towards whatever AI is, and then it's assimilated into something new over time. Well, this, this predates AI though, doesn't it? The, the conversational yeah. read. So I don't think it's a reaction to AI right now. I the, think it's a, a reaction to the old I think the increased, school method of marketing, right? <laughs> the increased popularity of it is part of the uh, reaction to a more digital and a more machine learning and AI-driven environment where everybody operates in. It's bigger than VO. Um, yeah, oh, but for sure. But this, this, this 
proposal to chatbots to to troll to automated trolling like in all, all the social media process everybody's the fear of whatever computers and computerized voices and computerized companies can do and then the more human does the more conversational the more popular i think it's a, it has been a driver of it. right and the the other side of this screen here the the slide here that i really wanted to dig into and really really struck me is the thing that I've been thinking from day one hearing about AI voices is that it's the voice seeker's ability to direct slash coach yeah. the AI voice. Now, if you've ever done a voiceover session, you know that a big part of your voice as a voice actor is interpreting what the seeker wants. And mm -hmm. that's not necessarily after they've just given the spec. You will give the performance and then they will give you their feedback on that. And then you have to make an adjustment, of course. Now, yeah. <laughs> when I think back, when I think to like asking, for example, and I'm not going to say her name because everyone's phone is going to freak out, S-I-R-I, -I, a question, <laughs> even the most, or, or just a subtly nuanced question, she's confused. She doesn't understand what yeah. I'm asking, right? So the computer, the AI voice would have to almost develop a personality, a soul, <laughs> if you will, to really understand the direction from a client. And sometimes that direction could even be describing what they don't like and or describing an emotion that your performance elicits. And then it's your job to go, okay, so I know why that elicited that emotion because I've got knowledge of being a human and I felt that the same myself and I understand all these little micro decisions that we're making in the, mil in the moment I don't see until a computer becomes sentient how they could ever compete with that. And if they do become sentient, voiceover is the least of our concerns, of course. But um, <laughs> this is like... I've seen that movie. Yeah, yeah <laughs> many of them. So this is where I think AI voices just just completely fail. Well, yes and no. I think, I think that's part of uh, maybe the two conversations that I feel that we're having here as well. Is that mm. one is, of course, purely... Uh, what you everything you said makes sense so it's going to be impossible for them to completely get all the nuances and how can i i have to respond to a performance and then give a, a less of this how can an ai ever respond to a less of this there's never going to be a slider or a button that is able to do that but it comes back to the to what is in my opinion based on the review of our clients is that the majority of not the majority a large section of voiceover buying people don't have that kind of uh, perfect approach to voice acting. Like this person that from the quote that says, definitely I would be more willing to review generated voices. I need some sort of assurance that I could coach the voice uh, to my needs. That person is never going to be happy, right? It showcases the problem of not being able to direct. But most people are not going to direct. Uh, in, no, I keep saying most. A large section of the voice of industry buyers is not going to direct. They're just going to take for granted whatever you're going to create. And whether you're yeah. going to create a, uh, an AI enhanced version of your voice or your own uh, voice, or uh, they're just going to say yes and move on. Pure craft, never going to be a problem. Mm. Uh, but audio is the fastest growing content piece globally right now. And there's all these different nuanced versions of, of audio content. And there's all these, this wide amalgam of people that are buying content that not everybody has the same standards. And therefore, yeah. it's going to be a new function. Is my opinion. So I'm not yeah. worried about this. This, this well, I'm worried. I'm not. This is not. Yeah, it's not going to be revolutionary changing that part of it. 
Yeah, and and that makes perfect sense to me too. I mean, the, there is there's always going to be work out there that just needs a, vo- a you know meet in the room to do the voice, right? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily matter almost the performance. So no. that's where AI voice can shine. But any other genre, anything with anything riding on it, as in like a commercial with money on the line, where they're wanting to yeah. sell this thing, or anything with any kind of investment, whether that's training or you know whatever it is, or even you know, even promos and stuff like that, which which they're trying to get people to watch a show or whatever it is, this is where humans are almost always going to have the advantage, right? I mean, it's it's not, this is impossible to foresee a future where, for me at least, humans are going to um, be taken out of the equation. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, that, that future doesn't exist. But you would also have to say that in the last couple of years, the like we said, the industry has become easier to enter. Mm. And let's say there's a hundredth, 100 voice actors now, maybe AI is going to cause that there's going to be room for 70 or 80 voice actors, right? Because a, a section yeah. of the work is going to change. So humans are not going to go away, but if the industry is changing, again, which is why we did the report, we want to make, we want to point out where it's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be harder to work your way up this industry. Yeah, um, It's probably going to be more a case that people have to fund their way into the industry by getting yeah. really good and then investing in their career that way rather than just like we've talked about before and like you just mentioned, doing a lot of these sort of temp jobs that can just pay the bills while you're growing because those jobs are absolutely going to be swallowed by this. Yeah, I really was fascinated about that particular slide. I thought it was really interesting. And the next one is, um, is a, we wanted to highlight that people that we exposed AI to in, in our platform and it said yes and showed interest in it. Also, at the same time, said, okay, what is this going to do to voice actors? And so on one hand, there's a the desire, I want this technology to get better, but I also don't want this to take away work from other people. Um, and questions about, okay, how, how we're going to gonna structure uh, rights, uh, copyrights, first of all, and usage. And then uh, how we're going to do a payment that works for all parties. Those are questions that also came from, those are very prominent in the, in the voice actor side of the argument, but we, know, we realize that also from the other side, they're just as important. There's always going to be people that are going to misuse, the, misuse technology in the same way that there are always going to be people that misuse it. But the, by far and large, the majority is always willing to work with. So it's nice. Yeah. Um, and given what we were just talking about, it suggests that, that might be less of a thing considering the type of work and the genres that AI are going to really dominate in um, because it's mainly non-broadcast, I would, I yeah. would say. Yeah, all right, cool. So this is the projected impact. Yeah, it's an overview of all the things that we talked about already, I think. So and like I mentioned, I think it will be a tool to increase the volume of, of uh, voiceover work just because the, the turnaround time is partly solved. Turnaround time problem is partly solved. Mm-hmm. Potentially a new genre of voiceovers. And, and we have no idea how it's going to be used, but it most likely will be required for voice actors somewhere in the future to have an AI version of their voice for some sort of projects. And, and But there's a problem in how expensive it is to generate AI voiceovers right now versus the willingness to pay for it. So it will remain low in volume is one of the conclusions, at least for the foreseeable years. And like we talked about before, it will disrupt pricing, and specifically pricing for some categories, not all pricing. but I've never been a fan of the way that prices are being set up in the voiceover industry. I think it's deeply complex and deeply, it's taken a lot of the older version of the actor industry uh, and, and, and advertising industry into the whole uh, voiceover 
voiceover industry. I think this is another advancement of uh, a change and more universally accepted way of doing pricing within BO work. We'll initially disrupt short form audio and dynamic and localized audio content are also uh, likely candidates for AI to be successful. Yeah. I, th- I think regarding this, the pricing, it's so contingent on the kind of the genres again. <laughs> Obviously, like some genres are very, very straightforward. Others are much more nuanced and with exclusivity and clashes and, and all that kind of stuff that that has to go into it. And, you know, it, it's sort of necessarily complex because there's a more corporate world. There's a more performance world. There's, there's a sort of combination of the two. There's mm-hmm. a television world and there's a non-broadcast. Like there's, yeah. there's so much that goes into it. Um, I can't foresee a simplification of the pricing. But I, I just I, hope. Maybe it's more hope yeah. than expectation. But uh, yeah. I, I just wish it was. Yeah. Yeah. Just make everything really expensive and then we get paid <laughs> money. Yeah. Keep it I think that's the short, shortest <laughs> yeah. and most effective solution. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next couple of pages, I think, are not super relevant nope. for the podcast. Um, as of 2021, companies that offer direct AI solutions already raised an approximate $130 million. So. So these are com- these are the companies that are creating the voices. That's how much they yeah. raised. Yeah. As soon as I put AI somewhere on my LinkedIn page, I remember doing that. Suddenly, investors were interested in voice on text. Meaning that it's oh. also a very common thing for venture capitalists uh, to touch everything that is machine learning and AI right now. Right. Mm. So it's a hot topic, and therefore there's a lot of space for a lot of companies to start generating this. I think it's accelerated because of the pandemic where people were sitting at home and then and not going to studio. Of course, we already know there's a home studio front that can already cater to most of this, but that, that also accelerates the need for any form of uh, synthetic or AI voice. So uh, there's a lot of funding out there for companies who are operating in this space, also because it's expensive to do. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's a bit of text on this page. Um, if you can give a sort of rough outline of what that's... You mean the where do we go from here? Yeah. Where do we go from here? So I think that um, what I've what we discussed before, this is basically a, a summary about what we think are likely to be impacted, and not just, not on the positive side, like we like these are areas uh, of new voiceover, but what existing categories will be impacted? And IVRs, of course, and uh, there's a there's a trend right now in the advertising industry that short audio and short video clips are the fastest growing there. I first still foresee their AI playing a role in that, especially if you translate or localize it. And uh, while it's hard to define what low acting means, that's very subjective, but whoever is buying says this is required low acting or high acting. Whenever they, they answer the question in their head, this is low acting, they might go for an AI version of this voice. So this is an overview of what we think will happen next. We know that when budgets are decided in, in companies, uh, part of the budget that's decided is the ad. How good does the ad need to be? It needs to be super good. It needs to be the best of the best. It needs to be. It needs to do the trick. We just need to do this ad, right? Yeah. There's the let's say there's, those are roughly three categories. Well, the, definitely the first one and part of the middle one might be affected by AI. And then considering the growth of content, specifically in that short form advertising space, I can see there's going to be a company is going to figure it out and it's going to impact. It's going to be impacting in there, mm. and. And what we put also on the same slide is that AI will not only be a new category, but it might potentially change the way that voice actors operate mm-hmm. in working with uh, clients. Like uh, 
turnaround times will decrease. It becomes more important. It's already an important differentiator, specifically on voice on the three. Clients are very interested whenever a person replies fast, for example. Just be the availability of the person is, is already a big a game changer. And then imagine using technology to increase your turnaround time of the deliverable. But mostly, I think it's going to be a tool in the tool shed of the voice actor to increase their range, uh, to diversify their portfolio potentially, and uh, to ideally generate a form of passive income over time. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned, I think, when we spoke on Clubhouse a little while ago was that you were thinking of implementing a way for clients to post projects and or just go to a client's profile, input their script, and then have the the voice automatically read it back. Is that yeah. something you're still interested in doing? Yeah. So I, I did, the concept is sort of, is sort of that, but uh, let's say we have a pool of a, about a, a group of voice actors that have a, an AI version of their voice. So it's Jamie plus the AI Jamie. And if I go to the profile of you, I can just contact you, book you, whatever, through the way that I do now via voice on the three or directly. Or I can already have a, a taste of, uh, of the AI version, and then you would have a script box on your profile. We we'll type it in, and uh, I can download a watermarked version of that audio, for example. Or I can only do a playback or not download at all, uh, depending on what use case we find for it. But I can mm. still see that happening. Yeah, because yeah, that was my question. Next question was, how, how are we protecting ourselves from them just using that? But yeah. also, you know, right now, I have a choice of what I audition for. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I still can, I don't have to accept the job, but, um, no, there's a valid concern. So maybe yeah. there, but that def- yeah, def- defeats the purpose of the turnaround time. I mean, you could say only for these kind of sections, it could, I allow this to be generated only for this kind of work might be a way. To, it really depends on what kind of control settings all of you want, basically. Yeah. Well, my friends could just have me say really inappropriate things and just... I think that's use case number one, but after that, <laughs> hype is gone. <laughs> because that's going to yeah. be the, first, the short one. The other thing that we already see is a bunch of CEOs wanting to have a, record, uh, a recorded version of their own so they can do their own advertising. That's going to be very boring very fast. Uh, so like influential people in companies want to do that. Uh, so there's a big gimmicky, hypey thing around AI and synthetic voice. So after that, all that dust settles... Uh, what's left over. And uh, I think this this report gives an insight of what could be one of those futures. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. I have one more question. From this experiment that you did when you put these AI voices out there, yeah. how many were actually cast, recorded, and released? We tend to, almost in all cases, stop the project at the moment that happened. I think in the end... If they really, really wanted it, we put it in contact with the person who generated the voice and they handled it from there. So as with many things in Voice on the 3, we don't know. Okay. So if you're on Voice on the 3, we don't never know if you're getting booked. Whenever it came to, I want to book this person, we tried to make sure that, well, this is not, this is mostly a test. If you really, really, really are interested, here's the company that generated the AI voice and you can talk to them. But that happened in a handful of cases. So maybe five or 10, five or 10 times in the span of... Uh, Six to nine months. Um, yeah, so like nine months and, and how many voices was that? As if like five to ten, a handful. Okay. And how many actual AI voices were on the system throughout that nine, nine months? Um, depending on the time between 10 and 15. But all we wanted to do is make sure that we can have a version of a voice addition to a project. So some were overused, some were underused. But yeah. Gotcha. Well, Rolf, thank you so much for... No, thanks for having this talk. 
filling that in. Um, I think this report is really interesting. Um, good and bad points <laughs> from our perspective, um, but some very, very interesting data there for sure. Yeah. And I really appreciated you, you know, sort of answering those those more in-depth questions. I would otherwise have asked for audience questions beforehand, but obviously there's an embargo on this information yeah. right now. This will be coming out on Thursday. If you're listening to this the day it releases, you can go and check it out immediately. Where where do people go to to read the report? Uh, you go to the Voice on 3 booth. So if you Google that, then it's on the front page of the booth, which is our e-learning platform. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks very much for your time. All right. Thanks, Jamie. The VO School podcast was produced by Heather Lynn Watt, Joan Gavino, Lisa Leonard, Gina Scarper, Femi London, Tiffany Van Landingham, Diane Richmond-Knox, Zach Allerman, and myself, Jamie Moffat. Special thanks to Patreon super member Angus McLeod and our sponsors JMC Demos and Backstage Magazine. We'll see you next time.